Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. Uh, I'm Ben James, joined by Andy Howell today. We're responding, uh, what, responding? reacting to the Wales team announcement. Um, so, hey, 10 changes to face uh, Italy in Rome. What do you make of it all? It's a gamble. The team they picked, yes, it is uh, laced with experience. Jonathan Davis, Dan Bigger, key role to play for him as a leader, their um, pilot in the ship. Um, Jake Balls had quite a few caps as well. Um, but, you know, you look at that pack and uh, it's quite, uh, you know, it's quite experimental. Back row hasn't got a lot of caps between them, though they're all good players. Uh, Thomas Young, Joshua Namidi, Aaron uh, Wainwright. Takes me back 10 years, 2009. Gatlin made exactly the same number of changes for for the Italian job and Wales struggled to win 20 points to 15 in one of the worst international matches you will ever see. I'm concerned the same thing could happen again. Will these combinations uh, uh, gel? And, you know, Wales, by making these uh, number of changes, Italy will see it as they did back then. It's been disrespectful and they will be fired up for this match. You know, Wales have given them their team talk. Yeah. Um, it could be a case actually of Italy good enough to profit from this Wales election. That's that's the thing, isn't it? You think you think back to that that team, two thousand and nine team. Italy weren't a bad team back then, you know. Sort of probably a, probably a phase between say two thousand and six, two thousand and nine. They, they 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 weren't. They were probably pulling up a few more trees than they have done. Yeah, but they in, are fitter in, now. They've got they fit the team now than they were back but, then, probably. But, yeah, but they've lost. Yeah, they've, better players probably back then. They've just set a championship record for the most defeats in a row, haven't they? It's eight, eighteen losses now. They haven't they haven't won since beating it, uh, Scotland in twenty fifteen. So, but they are going to win at some stage. So you know you cannot you, you cannot uh, just say they're never going to win another game. No, but I think and. Yeah, well, Wales. Let's face yeah. facts. Wales need to go over there and get a bonus point victory. Yeah. That bonus point could be vital. In determining the outcome of the championship, I don't. I don't see Italy as having the sort of like watching them play Scotland last week. They didn't. They never really looked like they were threatening to really break them down. Also, they, they scored their tries late on. Yeah, game that, was that gone. Was, that was game was gone, and Scotland took their foot off the yeah. gas. But they, they just didn't look like they didn't yeah. pose many. Let me, let me ask you a question then, Ben. Would this Wales team win at Murrayfield against Scotland? Um, I'd, I'd be inclined to say no. Yeah. Um. It'd, be, it'd probably be fairly close Depend, depending you think on so? you think Scotland would prosper against this team um, I, I would say Scotland would be favourites against yeah, they, they'd team. be favourites uh, I think that Wales team could push Scotland close obviously Scotland are a sort of funny one aren't they because for, for as brilliant as they are at Murrayfield they're probably equally poor away from home so they're a sort of Strange sort of team in that regard. Is it winning Argentina last summer? Yeah, and I think you, yeah, you'd make you'd make Scotland favour over this Wales team, um, but I, that Wales, that Wales team should still be going to Rome and getting a bonus point. I think that's that's the that's that's the be all and end all, isn't it? And I think I think that team has enough. My my one concern, I'm not, I'm not concerned, but just something I noticed is it's as as a pack. Individually, there's probably actually more experience in that pack than you would normally get from uh, a sort of a, a changed second string team. If this is a second string team, but I, I don't see a, I don't see a real leader in there. 
you, you, so you look at look at the second row. You got you got Beard and you got Jake Ball. And Ball's gonna have to provide some leadership. Both of them, both of them are very and much. And Elliot D, yeah, probably. Both of them are probably are normally sort of second in command to Alan Wynne Jones, aren't they? So it's, it's it's a real sort of chance for someone to step up and sort of show that they can sort of show a bit of leadership in the pack because there's no Ken Owens either, there's no Alan Wynne Jones. Well, yeah, they might need that leadership if it does get tough over there. Of course, Alan yeah. Wynne Jones and Ross Moriarty are on the bench. Uh, you know, let's hope they don't need to turn to him earlier in the game than uh, than they would hope to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think this could be a tough assignment. Looking at this, I seriously do. I am worried. Hmm. I don't think it'll be as bad as you make it out. They keep going to the end, and if you look at their regional form, at Benetton, they're second in their conference in the Pro 14. So they, a lot of their lot of the Italian team is drawn from them. I know yeah. it's a different. I know it's a different thing. International rugby, but yeah, you, know, you could almost look at this Wales pack and say it's been thrown together. That's my thing. I think every, every part of sort of Italian rugby is is it just is growing. Um, under twenties, um, the club game, even the women's team. I just don't see the senior team. Just doesn't seem to be improving to me. Um, That's going to come in time. I'd say where I think Wales could have a real edge. Not a real edge, but it, it could be a good battle, which I, I'd fancy Wales to get on top. Is back row. That's a good um, cup. Yeah. Parise's not the force he once was. No, but you never know with him. He might be able to turn it on. He was quiet against Scotland. But this is at home. It's in Rome. He's captain. Can he turn it on You know, sort of one final yeah. time in the Six Nations? Ne- Negri's... A, I, I like Negri. He's a really good player, Negri. But that's a that's a tough ask for him, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, but they're going to be trying to do Wales up front, aren't they? Yeah. Starting in the front five. So, you know, Wales stand up to that. Onslaught... Yeah. looking behind the scrum they should have enough but this could be a real tight this could be tight until the final minutes as it was in 2009 I'd be interesting to see because I th- you look at the sort of maybe the Wales selection and I think they think go with Dan Bigger at flight half and we'll, we'll, we'll the Italians are going to stick with us probably till the hour mark maybe so we play, play Dan Bigger play the right way do the right things then when we've probably worked them a little bit and they start to fall off maybe the odd tackle, you've got Gareth Davis and Anscombe coming off the bench. Hal Amos as well, who is going to make, I, I think he'll make a massive impact. Yeah. Let me throw this back at you though. It could be Italy who work in Wales. Up front. Potentially. I mean, we, we, we thought that. We you know, we've th- seen that happen so, many, so often in our regions when they go and put in Italy. They yeah. get worked over. I mean, we 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 just we sat here last week. We probably thought the same thing, didn't we? That the French pack was going to dominate us, and we we were on top in the scrums. Yeah, but that was a different Welsh pack that won us uh, starting in here, largely. Yeah, but Samson Lee came on and made a massive impact. In the scrum wasn't as good then as it was when Thomas Manson no, they, they had, Well, they, they 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 still won scrums. It's not it's not it's not the front row's fault that Gareth Davis. Couldn't get the ball safely out the back of it. Well, they should be using channel one ball. But that's another story. Yeah, but you know that's that. You know, it's, the ball was getting held in the back of but it was still a solid, solid platform. So I think you know, Nicky Smith's proven himself to be a, 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 a pretty solid scrummager yeah, on, his, a, on his day. He, has, he, has, he hasn't he played has, since December, mind mid-December because of ankle injury. Yeah. So you know, Nicky Smith played really well in the autumn for Wales. But he will be tested over here, and it's, you know. And the set, set and you, you don't forget you're pushing your weight through your through your feet, through your ankles, and through your feet. Yeah. So. I mean, the second second row is pretty 
pretty weighty. It's not it's not a lightweight second row. So that's yeah, ball short of time game time man since the autumn of twenty seventeen. Yeah, he played really well at Lens yeah, the other is. week, but he's hardly played. Uh, Adam Beard is, of course, he is a really hot prospect. So okay, yeah. Well, um, I tell you what, uh, we're going to listen to. I spoke to Matty Southcombe earlier. He's over in Nice for his sins. So it's all right, life for some, isn't it? Great, isn't it? For great, and he's loving it over there. So this is uh, this is what Matt. Mind you, I heard he was. Uh, I heard he was in a bar in a local bar over there, and when they served him with a beer, instead of saying mercy, he said gracias. But of course, he thought he was in Spain or France. I hope that's one of your jokes and not true. Otherwise, uh... <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, this is uh, this is what Matt had to say uh, a little bit earlier on. Right, hello there, Matthew. How are things over with you in uh, in France? Yeah, Ben. I can't um, I can't lie to you, mate. It's been uh, it's been a pretty full on week, but uh, no complaints this end. It's uh, it's absolutely beautiful uh, down here in Nice. We obviously Wales have been staying uh, for the last sort of six days. Um, they've just shot off now, actually, to the airport to make their way up to Rome. Um, I'm still sat in the lobby of the hotel uh, doing a bit of work uh, after the press conference here, but overlooking the uh, the sea there, the weather's lovely. I mean, the locals are still wandering around in their big jackets, but and we've had some funny looks with a bunch of Welsh blokes uh, in town walking around in our t-shirts. Um, but no, it's been a great, great week, and it's just a, a, a lovely place. You can definitely see why uh, why Wales wanted to come down here. Oh, well, it's uh, the sun's not quite shining in Cardiff tonight, so uh, not not at all not at all jealous. Um, well, if it's any if it's any consolation, the night. The, the, the day that we arrived here, it was absolutely horrendous, the weather. It was bucketing down, thunder and lightning. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if the, the management were a bit concerned that they perhaps wasted the trip to come down here to get the best of the weather. But <laughs> as it turned out, that since that day that we arrived after the French game, uh, we, we've just had sunshine. So it's been absolutely fantastic. What's, what's the sort of uh, the feeling been like in camp in terms of... Of, of this exercise of going going over to France and spending a week there rather than being stuck at the Vale, you know, with yeah. sort of not so great weather for a week. Yeah, I think they've enjoyed it. Um, basically, they've you know they've made no secret of the fact this is like a replicating the World Cup scenario. There's one there's one fixture at the World Cup. I, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is. I think it might be after the Australia game. Um, they have a similar number of days between matches. Um, so it all, it all sort of lines up to be like a test run for that week because um, they're going away to a, a location that's not a, a match location. Uh, they're going to spend a couple of days out there, take themselves out of the bubble um, and then travel up to the, the, the next match after a few days. So it's a similar kind of scenario. Um, they've got a squad of 31, which is obviously they get what they're going to have at the World Cup. They've had a couple of knocks this week. Um, Corey Hill has had a cut on his knees, had stitches, Justin Tipperick's had a back strain, and George North has had a shoulder problem. So those sort of things have to be managed. Uh, so it's a good sort of test run for them uh, for the World Cup. But everybody feels quite relaxed. You know, we've spent a lot of time in, the, in and around the team hotel this week doing interviews and things. Players look relaxed. It feels like a, a group and a squad that are, are comfortable in their own skin. Um, Warren Gatlin's been pulling faces behind journalists to make players laugh during interviews and and everybody seems just happy with, with life, you know? I mean, it makes things easier that they did come back from 16-0 down. Um, otherwise, it might have been a very long week uh, down here in, in Nice. But 
you know, mood in the camp is great. Um, and they can basically wander around this part of the world with relative anonymity because nobody really knows much about who they are. Um, they're not necessarily being stopped every 10 yards for pictures and, and whatnot. So, you know, I just get the impression that it's been a great week for them and, and they're in good spirits flying up to Rome this afternoon. So I mentioned there about uh, all, all the coaches and players being in good spirits. Um, you spoke to Gatland earlier today for his presser. Um, mm. I imagine he was probably uh, on good form, probably a bit, bit fun for him being in, uh, in Nice with a select few journalists rather than sort of, like I say, at the veil with the sort of usual rabble, myself included. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was obviously a, a lot quieter for the press conference, as you mentioned there, being down here. There was only a handful of us uh, present. We did it with a the, with the sea in the background down in the hotel bar. And, you know, like I said, you can't get much more relaxed than that. But um, Gatlin was good. Um, explained why they've made a couple of changes and that. They want to give everyone a, a go out here. In the first two games, they were eight players that they had to get in for this Italian clash um, in order to use that full squad. And they've managed to do that. Um, and he's talked about why Jonathan Davis was named captain. He said he was the obvious choice uh, when he sat down and actually looked at the, the squad that he was going to name. Um, and yeah, he was just in good form and good spirits. Uh, it, it wasn't a particularly difficult press conference for him because, like I said, if, if they had lost last weekend as as it looked like they were going to for long periods of time, then there might have been some difficult questions, but they've come back from it, shown a lot of character in that game. Um, and his plan is, you know, his, his bigger picture plan um, is working brilliantly at the moment, you know, stretching back all the way to the summer tour. Everything he's done up until now has come off and, you know, he's made changes again. Last year, people called him disrespectful for making more a little bit, a few more changes than he has done. But, you know, he's been... He's been proven right on more than one occasion, so you know no nobody's going to question him at the moment. And yeah, he seems fairly happy with where things are. I suppose one of the big sort of um, talking points from the team selection uh, is the recall of, of Dan Bigger at Fly Half, mm. isn't it? It's something that's dominated the sort of headlines long before uh, yeah. the Six Nations began. And then with Gatlin's quotes about you know Anscombe's selection last week being a confidence issue, it's it's, it's sort of it's not quite a full sort of 180 turn, is it? But it, 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 no. it is telling, isn't it? It's interesting. It is interesting. And, you know, we've had many chats amongst ourselves, the journals that are out here this week, about various things. And one of the points that, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about on that is um, I always thought that there was a chance that Anscombe could start again this week. Um, just purely for that reason. Uh, you know, he did have a tough night in Paris. Um a very difficult situation, obviously, um, with the weather and France were on top when he was on the field, etc. Um, but I just think it's, it's, it would probably be the perfect game for him to play in and regain some confidence that he might have perhaps lost. Um, and the same goes for Thomas Williams. I know he scored the try, but he was also under the pump a lot. I just felt like this would be a great game for those two to go again and just re- rebuild the confidence. But, I mean, at the same time, that would be incredibly harsh on Dan Bigger then, who obviously came on and did well in Paris. He's not done much wrong, really, in a Welsh shirt for a while, Bigger, um, and probably deserves a chance to start as well. But it's interesting, because the way I look at it, this game coming up now against Italy and Rome probably suits Thomas Williams and Gareth Anscombe, uh, whereas the game last weekend would probably be more of a Dan Bigger game. So it's almost as if they've 
selection has ended up the wrong way around. But yeah, you're saying about um, sort of it being the game for maybe Anscombe and, and, and Thomas Williams. I, I, part of me thinks it's, it's one of those where how many times have Wales sort of played against Italy and Rome and, and sort of started quite slow and got dragged into maybe a bit of a dogfight? I think maybe it's a case of bigger sort of playing the first 60 and keeping things relatively structured and then bringing Anscombe on for that last 20 to cut loose, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, Warren Gatlin is expecting, uh, uh, he's sending the press conference, he's expecting Italy to come out and try and play. Um, I don't know if there's a bit of kidology in there, perhaps. Um, whether he truly believes that or not is something only he can tell us. Um, there is a lot to be said with um, getting a few more experienced heads in the squad, like Dan Bigger, uh, in, in vital positions and you know keeping uh, the likes of Jonathan Davis involved. You can't just make wholesale changes to squads and, and leave yourself a little exposed. So, you know, given the changes that he has made elsewhere, picking somebody like Bigger, who, who knows his way around these sort of matches, could could end up being a bit of a, a masterstroke. But I just, like you said, I did feel as if this game was probably more set up for Bigger than, sorry, for Anscombe than um, than the game in Paris on Friday night. You talk you talk about sort of experienced heads there, and mm-hmm. I mean the the back line you've got Bigger. Uh, John Davis and Liam Williams, so sort of the spine there is, is pretty experienced. The, the pack, on the other hand, there, there is experience there, but sort of, you know, Jake Ball's normally always been alongside Alan Wynne-Jones. Uh, Samson, you know, Samson Lee, Nicky Smith, there, there, there is experience there, but none, none of them are sort of ever really being real leaders in the pack, have they? No, it's interesting because obviously Adam Beer's going to be calling the line out uh, on the weekend. And like you said, you, you wondered, he's he's not quite done it, but he's changed four of the front five. That's a big call. Um, you did wonder whether somebody like Ken Owens may just stay involved um, for the sake of, like you said, having another leader in there. Um, but yeah, it's a bold call. And you look at the back row as well, those three. Um, you know, Josh Navidi is getting more and more experienced at this level, but the other two are still cutting their teeth at this level, really. Um, so it is a bold call, and and you just, I mean, the bench is is still strong as well. But you wondered, I thought the bench might be a bit more stacked than it is um, with with players who you would you you would class as as regular first teamers. Um, you got Alan Wynn and Moriarty there, but. The front row is inexperienced. There's not inexperienced, that's wrong, like you said, because Nicky Smith and Samson Lee are in there. Um, but you just wondered if Ken Owens and Rob Evans and the like would be involved um, just in case things did start to go wrong. Um, but, you know, like I said, to second-guess Gatland at this point is probably not fair because um, they're on a, on a winning streak that, you know, is, is breaking some serious records. So um, I just think... Even though he has made a lot of changes, Wales are now a squad that, that operate uh, with an intensity that, that Italy are not going to be able to match, um, regardless of the fact that it may not be our, uh, the strongest side he could have put out. I just think there's too much too much quality, and they, they take things far too seriously um, these days to let this game pass them by. I think the other thing that helps with that is, is, is the winning streak, isn't it? When you've got a winning streak like Wales do, and the strength and depth, it, it just puts a pressure on any, anyone new pulling on the jersey, doesn't it? You know, all, all these sort of new faces now, all these 10 changes, they know that they're coming into that jersey on the back of, of you know, 10 wins. And, yeah. you know, they, they're, gunning, they're gunning for, a, for a, you know, 
11 wins, which the last time we did that was 1999. You know, Rob Howley was playing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I mean, it's like Catlin said after the game last week that Wales have become a, a side that's almost forgotten how to lose. Um, but like you said, now the changes he's made, boys coming in know that they are under a bit of pressure and, and have to make a statement. You look at Dan Bigger, you know, he's got a massive point to prove. Um, Jonah Holmes and Thomas Young, I mean, they've they've almost just got got to go out there and, and put their hand up because they're in such competitive positions. Um, Aaron Wainwright is probably just loving life at the moment. You know, this time last year wasn't, wasn't you know, in the frame really and, and suddenly he's starting a Six Nations match and has a genuine chance of making the World Cup squad. Um, Nicky Smith was first choice loose head uh, in the autumn, got injured and now Rob Evans has come back in and shown a bit of form. So now Nicky Smith has to respond to that and, you know, Samson Lee didn't start last week and that was a bit of a shock to me personally and he's probably feeling like he's got a bit of a point to prove as well. So, yeah, um, it, it, this winning run, whilst it breeds confidence, it also means that boys coming in um, know that they have to really perform because if they drop the bat, and, uh, it, it could mean that they, they drop out of the side and out of the squad. So, um, yeah, it, it works both ways in that regard. See, uh, see on social media that a lot of the boys have been taking a dip uh, in, in the sea. Have, have you? Yeah, you I, have not, that? I have not joined them uh, in that regard. Like I said, it, it is a bit warmer out here um, than back home, but uh, the backroom staff have assured us that uh, the sea is still not uh, quite comfortable enough for me. Um, perfect for recovery, obviously. Um, so they'd be making use of it. You could probably throw a stone from the front door of their hotel to the sea. So absolutely ideal in that regard but they have had a few funny looks like I said uh, all the locals are walking around in their big jackets and then you've just got a squad of about 30 odd massive blokes um, stripping off and, and jumping in the sea so there have been a few uh, few surprised looks with a few beer chested Welshmen walking across the main road here back to the hotel uh, the trail of water falling behind them but uh, yeah no I haven't joined them in that regard but I think uh, I think they've been enjoying it anyway I'd say, well, on that note, I'll let you get back to your, your sun, sea and sand. Uh, <laughs> All right, Sam. Just a, just a quick it. one. I, I, think, I think the weather next week is actually quite good on your return to Cardiff. So I think you've, you've lucked, out, lucked out once again. I think it's sunshine in Cardiff next week. So I'll bring it back with me then, yeah. That must I be did it. notice, by the way, that my, my prediction on last week's podcast wasn't a million miles away from what actually transpired at the start of France. I just thought I'd drop that in there because it's not often you get it nearly right, so... I made the most of that when it happened. Well, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a very good point. You just reminded me. Um, yeah. Second weekend of match predictions. Yes. What are we going for? I'd like to add that I was the only one to get England beating Ireland. Well, fair play to you. I will, uh, I will, <laughs> I will bow to you on that one. Um, I think, all right, let's start with Wales then. Let's go. That's not difficult for me. I mean, Wales are going to are going to do the job in Rome. Um, like I said, I don't think, I think they're a side that just operates with too much intensity now and, and, um, yeah, I don't see a slip-up on the horizon. If things do start going wrong, they've got too much quality on the bench with the likes of Moriarty and Alan Wynne-Jones. So, you know, yeah. I can't see that one uh, going awry. I definitely uh, agree with you on that, yeah. Um, and it's Ireland-Scotland, isn't it? That's, that's, an, that's an interesting one now, isn't it? Because Ireland have got a, a fair few injury problems I've seen knocking around uh, today. I know Scotland have made a few interesting selections in terms of dropping the a bloke who scored a hat trick for you. Um, but yeah, again, I just think Ireland are, are probably too good despite their their injury rows. Oh, but that being said, you know, dismissing Scotland is a bit dangerous. They've got 
quality throughout their camp now, especially um, at Murrayfield. They don't, they don't lose yeah. games at Murrayfield, do they? They don't. I'm still going to back Islander. Islander. Um, and, uh, and then on Sunday, finally it's Le Crunch. Yeah. Um, well, you know, after what we saw from England last week, it, you've got to back them in that one at Twickenham. Um, France were all absolutely just a run out of answers, really. I remember in the post-match press conference, Jacques Brunel just basically said a lot of these things you can't explain. And, you know, they don't strike me as a group with massive amounts of confidence at the moment. But, you know, we all know it's that they're the kind of side who can turn it on at the flick of a switch almost. And um, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to see them go there and win. But I just can't see England letting that slip. And it's going to set up an absolute barnstormer uh, the uh, Principality Stadium in a couple of weeks' time when England come to town. Uh, we'll be going into that one off the long run-up, some two-week build-up. That's going to be I a big one. We will, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard not to get excited now, but you know, it's like, a job like, to be done first. We need, we need, we need, to, we need to focus on the weekend. Yeah, we will get this one out of the way first, and then we can spend two weeks building up that one, son. Oh, it's very exciting times. Well, I'll let you get back to focusing on Italy then. All right, mate. Appreciate it. Enjoy your travels. So yeah, uh, interesting stuff uh, from Matt there. Um, he hasn't gone for a dip in the sea just yet, Ace. Um, I don't know if he's going to find time before uh, he makes the trip to Italy. He cannot risk going in the sea because you know Matt with his injury record, his record of breaking down and all. You know, it's good. It's good for recovery, they say. It's you good know. for recovery, but he'd probably be the only bloke who'd pull a muscle in the sea. <laughs> you know, what does Ellis Jenkins call him? Glass. That's his nickname when he's playing rugby. Matt Glass. Does he get breaking? He's not. He's not going to be happy with any of this going in the podcast. So yeah, um, let's uh, move on to the captaincy. Um, Jonathan Davis is captain. Before I get your thoughts on it, uh, we've got the thoughts of Wales coach Warren Gatlin. Here's what he said about Jonathan Davis being captain on Saturday. He's lucky. Um, obviously, very honoured to to accept the the captaincy. Uh, he's been around for. Number of years brings a lot of leadership and, and already to the team. He's, he's vocal within the squad and uh, just looking at, at the group of players and, and the team. You know, he, he seemed the obvious choice to to be given that opportunity. And he deserves that accolade, and I think it'll be good for him. Um, not that he needs you know, to prove himself from a leadership point of view, but I think it's just recognition of what he's already achieved in the game, and I think it'd be great for him and and great for us moving forward over the next six months or so. So yeah, uh, that's that's Warren Gatlin's thoughts. Um, quite interesting, he says it, it's sort of recognition for what he's achieved in the game, isn't it? That's that's an interesting line. That is, that is. I've had conversations with Warren going back to a few years, actually. Did, you know, did he see Jonathan Davis as a future uh, leader of the team, future captain? When we were looking, you know, when we were looking at when Sam Morgan was obviously he had always had quite a lot of injuries, so there was always speculation about who would succeed him. The, the two people to me who, who were the leading candidates were Alan Wynne Jones, who's got the uh, who's got, got the job on a permanent basis, and Jonathan Davis, because I, I you know, I I believe centre is probably the best position on the pitch, captain the team from. We had loads of great captains played for centre. Because when you're in the centre, you've got a bit of time. You can see what's going on. And you can make tactical decisions and change things on the field. Uh, and John, Jonathan has got uh, a lot of experience as captain uh, of the Scarlets. So uh, 
yeah, I think it's a good uh, a good appointment, and uh, I'm sure he, he'll he'll do a good job at it. Yeah, because Gatlin's only ever had, if you think how many captains Gatlin's had, it's 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 in double figures now, isn't it? Only only three of them have been backs. And they've all been in the centre. So obviously Scott Williams was captain against Ireland in a World Cup warm-up 2015. Um, which didn't go too well, to be honest. I think it was 35-21 last year. Second string it was against the Ireland first. Um, Jamie Roberts obviously captained the, uh, Ron, Ron McBride's team down in yep. Tonga and Samoa. And now, and now Foxy. So yeah, it's, it's centre clearly is... Gatlin shares your thoughts there on, on that. That's the prime position for captaincy in the backs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah, I, I agree with him on that. Yeah, though no, he's he's actually gone for forwards because he's had a pick. He's had initially as captain. Ryan Jones was the obvious uh, uh, choice as captain initially, and then um, uh, Matthew Rees. Yep. Uh, you know, had a great buy-in store, etc., etc. He was. Uh, then the next one after uh, Ryan lost the captaincy and then uh, Sam Warburton his captain team throughout his life and then uh, so he when Matthew was uh, couldn't play in the 2011 World Cup because of injury yeah Warburton was the uh, was the natural again same as uh, with Alan Wynne Jones natural takeover from uh, Warburton so you know those uh, guys have been his main captains and you also you also had like Gethin Jenkins Bradley Davis yeah. Lydia Faletau Ellis Corey Hill it's just it's just a trend in Gatlin's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, but coaching. they've been temporary captains. Temporary, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in the same you know, way. When the, the Lions same, have been playing or someone's been injured. In the same way that John Davis is a temporary yeah, captain. It would have been interesting years if Corey Hill was uh, playing in this match, but he's got an injury. Or Marcos Alice Jenkins is out long term. If either of those have been involved in this, would they have been captain ahead of Jonathan Davis? I, I don't think they would have. Um, because when the, the captaincy news seemed to sort of break earlier in the week, didn't it? That John was captain, mm. and as far as we can tell, up until yesterday, Corey Hill was very much still thought to be starting. Yeah, but uh, maybe don't forget he did have cut knee uh, last yeah. weekend, so uh, maybe maybe you know maybe he was always out. I mean, he's not even on the bench, so potentially, yeah, that suggests that he wasn't going to play. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I I'd imagine that maybe John Davis might have been. You know, yeah. Think think back to last year. They used this game as a sort of chance to see how Toby Falato uh, dealt with the captaincy, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, John John could uh, you know, could end up captain in uh, Wales in some of the World Cup games, or you know, uh, uh, if Alan Wynn is not uh, playing, as uh, certainly the one, uh, maybe even the match against uh, the World Cup kickoff against Georgia, possibly. Yeah. Will they play Alan Wynn in that? I don't know. Be interesting to see, wouldn't it? Plenty of rugby to be played before then, of course. Um, so yeah, let's let's get your predictions. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Matt, if you want. No, I, I don't need to be told other people. I've got my own opinion, so I'll, I'll make my prediction. I'll just remind you, of course. Um, oh, just, just, just remind, just remind you for oh. the for the listeners. Obviously, last week we did our first predictions, oh, didn't okay. we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to remind you that uh, yours truly is three for three. Oh, well done. I, I got uh, England, Ireland. Well then, correct. So that puts me okay. uh, in the lead in the predictions table. So you know the pressure's on you and Matt now to sort of make up okay. to, to make make up the lost ground. Do you, do you want a scoreline as well, or not? Just the winners. Just, just, just the winners. Just the winners. Right. Okay. So despite you, my, you can do a scoreline no, for the Wales game if you no, want. No. Despite but we won't hold it. Despite my uh, reservations about the Wales uh, selection, and uh, you know I think it's a risk. Um, I, uh, Wales, I think will win. 
Yep. Uh, by about uh, maybe by you know ten points, something like that. I'd be yeah. They might struggle to get a bonus point try. Depends how the game goes. If if they have problems up front, then they are in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere. Yeah, Ireland, uh, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, I'm going for Scotland because Ireland that was such a hard game last weekend, and they picked up more injuries, and um, so they've got problems. Uh, this uh, Scotland were quite good against Italy. Dangerous uh, team when uh, Finn Russell's firing. Uh, I just think if it's going to be you went for a, well, people think it was going to be upset last weekend with England, so I'm going for it this weekend. Yeah. My Joker card is Scotland. And uh, and I'm tipping England uh, uh, obviously beat uh, France at uh, Twickenham uh, potentially with a bonus point. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, it's tough to agree with, uh, disagree with any of them. You know, naturally, I, I, Wales they'll they'll beat Italy. Um, I'm confident of that. Um, and I think England, you know, they'll beat France for as good as France were in in that first half in Paris. That second half would have just mentally shattered them won't it and <laughs> Twickenham's not the place they want to be going to a week after uh, Ireland Scotland I think what last Saturday showed is that Ireland for as good as Ireland have been the last year I don't think they have the game to chase chase teams today when they fall behind I don't think they're a good they're, they're not a good chasing team they never they never looked truly like they were going to Real England back in, did they? That was because the quality of England on the day and how well they played. Shut them down. (laughs) You'd normally expect to see a team sort of even look like they were chasing. Ireland never particularly looked like they were chasing. I think they were under the pump a bit. They they, 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 they haven't. It was was very much they stuck to their box kicking plan. I don't know. But if if they get on top early at Murrayfield, they should win that. I'm going to go with the Scotland win. What's, what's that look? Hmm? Uh, not, uh, Are you playing a canny game? You're a tactical game to try and stay ahead of the. I'm not because Ireland. South's come on myself. Southcombe's gone for Ireland, so you know there's a. Uh, he, he could very much. Yeah, we need to steady Eddie. I just look at look at those Ireland injuries. Um, it's a big game for Scotland. Scotland usually usually play quite well that. against Ireland. It's not not a bad position. Like you lose Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw, and you still got Bundyaki and Chris Farrell. And them two did a number on Wales in Dublin last year. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah they Chris did Chris Farrell was brilliant against Wales in Dublin. So you know, it's, it's not a bad position to be in with that sort of strength and depth. We're not a million miles away from it either. Let's um. So yeah, let's uh, let's hope that the predictions are, are spot on, or at least some of them. So that's all for the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, you can catch all the news around the Italy game with uh, we got Matt out there in Rome uh, and the rest of us here in the office in Cardiff. You can catch it all on Wales Online.